morning oh christmas tree oh christmas tree how passe the song is when everyone finally hears this episode yeah just so you know it's christmas eve for greg and i and it's the day after boxing day for y'all yeah which is kind of like the lull like the big ebb and it's the last episode of 2021 for moped outlaws right so, um, it's been a great year. Moped Outlaws was born this year. That means it was like the tops as far as years go. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, forget all that other nonsense that might be on your mind that might make you think that 2021 was a shitty year. Yeah. This, this isn't our necessarily our new year's program because, we're going to do that on New Year's Eve. Right. Which will also be on the Monday following. So it'll be just as passe. So <laughs> you can say that you're doing better than Moped Outlaws because we're starting our year as three days passe. Yeah. You know, sometimes I notice in life that I'm like three years behind the trends. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> oh, my working. God. Oh my god, that is sad to me. Don't you? Do you like Miley Cyrus? I like her. Yes, I think her kind of chutzpah is is refreshing. I agree, and she's a fucking powerful singer. Yeah, and and she's she's sort of moved through the crazy psychedelic phase of her career, and now she's she's reached the oh, I better do some ads or I might run out of money stage. Oh, I don't know about that. I think she's doing fine financially. <laughs> I like that hippie album she did with, um, I just spaced out the name of the band. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds from that record is amazing. Yeah, the whole record's amazing. Yeah. I haven't heard anything else, but yeah. Yeah, I like pot. <laughs> yeah, I like peace. But that doesn't mean I'm a fucking hippie. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, who was? Gosh darn it. We must ask the Googles. That's very sad to me. Come on. That's one of my favorite bands. Flaming Lips. Oh, that's right. The Bubble Boys. Yeah, that's who she did that with. They, they were one by of the, the way, that wasn't Google that gave that to me. It came to me by my. Wow. <laughs> Apparently, I touched a nerve. Would you like me to put, go a little lower? Sure, wait a minute here. <laughs> Missile camel toe. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'd like to get underneath some of that. Yeah, you would. <laughs> well, maybe that Christmas blessing is in your stocking. Yeah. I sure hope so. Uh, I'll be dancing with visions of sugar plums in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Got a tea right. bag full of sugar plums. So I do have a quiz for you. Yeah, is that it? Is that all we're doing today? I, what was I totally forgot what our what? it was supposed to be like the strong elements of this past year for us. Like what? Like because we did our top five of you know holiday mood, but this was going to be our top our moment in twenty twenty one. Right, right, right. All right, let's start with that. All right, well. I got to go with uh, the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Ah. Like that ah. really made a big impact for me. I was very happy about that. All right. All right. All right. How about you? I got more, but I, let's trade them. Um, Neil's work on the room downstairs for my son to move into. So for those of you who don't know, Neil Osborne is an amazingly gifted artist and um, 
craftsman, yeah. craftsman and um, social outsider. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think, uh, I don't think that's his choice. I think perhaps socially people see him and don't know him and make a judgment about who he is. You're misunderstanding what I meant by social outsider. I, another way to put that is someone who follows his own muse. Yeah, he definitely marches to his own drum beat. Yep. Which makes him a unique and wonderful flavor to encounter. So yeah, I can see why you would appreciate that. Yeah. And you know, the whole thing with my son moving in, it's a fucking awesome room and just all the work and love that went into that. And I was just thinking this morning, in fact, like how grateful I was that Candy has this home and my son has a home here and yeah, and you went Christmas caroling with Neil too, didn't you? Yeah, that's our uh, tradition every winter solstice, and we had a good turnout. We had four adults and two children, and we had homemade brownies at the last house. Nice, they were hella good. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like your number two um, of the year? Or um, oh, good point. That's such a tradition. That's like you know. That's just a, that's a good thing. I don't know. I don't. Like, I, I feel I kind of have to work at this. Nothing really comes up like, yeah, even the thing with Neil and my son. You know, I'm grateful. It's. Why don't you go? <laughs> well, <it's laughs> my I kind of saw sandbagged you there by asking if that was number two. No, not really. It just like even before I mentioned the room, I was kind of thinking, I don't know. I don't have any highlights. Not like, oh, 2021 was horrible. Just what are highlights, you know? Well, you could look at them as highlights or you could look at them as peak experiences. Like experiences that, that resonate with you as like joyful or that really, you know, provide a strong sense of gratitude and um, joie de vivre uh, inspiration, you know, you know, a bright light on the, the, the year. So my next one, if I can remember, I knew it three seconds ago. Um, <laughs> we are getting old. Was when the vaccine levels got to the point where I could start rehearsing um, with musicians again in the studio. And so um, I rejoined a band that plays all cover songs, a band um, called the upbeats. And a lot of it's like eighties, seventies, nineties, like boomer songs, like Eagle songs and Frampton songs and stuff like that. And so being able to stand in a room of musicians and be a lead guitarist so that I don't have to hold down any of that other structure and like play notes on my guitar. That is just such a satisfying and enriching emotional and visceral experience. And to do that with one of my lifelong friends, Tomas, who I've known since I was 14 is a real gift. And so, you know, every week, getting in the room with him and, and playing those tunes is a, is a real highlight, a real positive feeling. And so I'm really grateful that that's um, been happening. And um, the, to sort of close out this last week, I brought in this piece of equipment that I hadn't been using. That is the thing that Frampton uses to make the, the, oh, that weird wah, wah sound, the talking box, the talk box. And so yeah. I used that last week for show me the way. Oh, wow. Wah, wah, wah. No, that's do we that's feel, do like, we feel do. like we do. Yeah. I'm going to work that one up too, but it's a cool effect. And it's sort of it a lot of guitarists don't use it. He's like the only guy that I know of on a record that's used it. Joe Perry. Oh, Joe Perry's done some stuff too. And uh, what was that song? Oh, um, I think it was sweet emotion. He uses it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So it was fun. And, um, they, 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 you know, anytime a guitarist can like make a sound that people don't hear often, it's always a win. Yeah. <laughs> because guitars are getting really passe on some levels. Hey, do you like uh, Adrian Ballou? 
I respect him. I don't really own any of his records. And I watched the um, uh, King Crimson show. Like he toured with King Crimson this year. And, um, you know, it's a little bit mind jazzy for me, but I respect the, the technique and the, the vision that goes into it. But it doesn't really grab me in my emotional center very much. One of my favorite artists is Laurie Anderson. And there's a famous story about her meeting Adrian Blue, and her not really interested. Like, I don't really like electric guitars. That's not what I do. And he's like, well, let me just play something for you. And he played something. She thought, that's not a fucking guitar. That's an animal. Because he just, <laughs> I mean, he's on one of our albums and he was making these monstrous animal noises just yeah, yeah. going deep into the guts. And so. Well, that's, that is true of him. He has his own unique approach and a, and a, a complexity to the, uh, the flavors that he can offer, which is very respectable. Yeah. Absolutely. If there's an album, like an entry album for him, I'd say he's got an album called Twain Barking. Twain Barking. What a great yeah. album. All right. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty rad. So yeah, that's another highlight aside from, um, what was the first one I said? <laughs> the insurrection oh no not that <laughs> the inauguration and then playing music with my buddies that's are you guys gonna play live well you know we talked about it 2022 is still a question mark for musicians yeah at sweetwater just shut down two days right. ago three days right. ago yeah i'm bummed man they're so concert that i have tickets to that i'm super looking forward to which is um now i'm just gonna tommy emmanuel and oh, okay. um and uh he's playing with i always forget the other guy's name they've done a couple things together and the other guy's a monster too like two crazy monsters that are just so fun and it's at freight and salvage yeah well we'll see what happens <laughs> what's your um your next highlight or high point of 2021. I don't know. There's an element. I think like you said something earlier about gratitude and that seems more to me what I'd go for. Like there's a birthday party that I went to that was a lot of fun. I'm really grateful for the friendship that I have with that person and being able to celebrate with people. Cause it was at a time when COVID was kind of keeping people indoors. Like that seems more about 2021, like things that I'm grateful for, like highlights. I don't. So this birthday party. Yeah. So the birthday party, my family, well, don't do them all. What? Don't do them all. <laughs> when was the birthday party? When was it? Yeah. It was summertime. So it was, you know, really like good music, dancing, hanging out outside. It was warm. Um, so, yeah, that was nice. Good people, good conversation, just felt warm and welcome. And part of, I think, why it stands out is there was a part of me, I think, that used to be alive. Oh, what the hell is this? Um, where <laughs> I would feel unwelcome at parties. And I know it was my own thing. So to see that mentally or emotionally I've evolved to a place where now I feel welcomed at parties. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool, man. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right, what's your next? Um, well, I'd ha I have to say the yeah the A Course in Miracles. Like this was my first year of having a relationship with that work, and that's been very impactful. And it's really interesting because it's not like there's this one moment where I went to the party and there was this huge epiphany, like this, there's this kind of subtlety about it. 
that has me feeling less threatened, less anxious, less um, shempa in my life. Yeah, it is interesting. Because I come across people who are so wound up about something. And it's like, well, why, why do you want to live like that? And I get upset. But I also believe like I let it go quick. Like the next moment, like I, I could be mad at you right now. But two minutes, that's done. That's not real right now. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure there are while we're here, as you mentioned, like it's a process, it's an ongoing there is no epiphany. So there are still people that I think about and Christmas is a good time to kind of bring everyone into one's thoughts and release, forgive, let go, like just we're all one. You know, that's the goal. So um yeah, there's a couple people I was like Okay, I still got a little bit of shampoo <laughs> with cocktail sauce, but uh... yeah. So we um, we've each identified two, or I've identified three, and you've identified two. What's like the next one? Well, here's the thing: like, I'm grateful for things that started this year. I'm grateful for Moped Outlaws. Okay, that and be- the evolution of the process and how it keeps evolving, getting tighter, better. I'm also grateful for starting, not starting, but getting involved with um, community reusables. And we just ordered a thousand cups. So, like, it's really happening. Meaning? Meaning and purpose. Yes. (laughs) Russian Mark has brought meaning and purpose to the conversation. Man, well, I guess, thousand cups. What are you going to do with them? Throw them at cars on the highway. What Get off mean? the highway! What Get rocks in them? <laughs> no, they're made out of me- no. So we're uh, in Mill Valley, starting to work with businesses, and the goal is <clears throat> you get rid of single-use containers and cups in Mill Valley, and then successful here and move out. And we're starting with cups. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So that's a highlight is having completed the first stage of that process by ordering. No, to just be involved with it. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. It's more like, it feels to me like being on this path, like life's this journey. And it's nice to be, have gratitude for a journey. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what I'm realizing is I have more than five, but I, this is the most present one. So I'm going to speak it. Receiving my second vaccine (laughs) in March was it was a, a game changer like it changed my whole sense of fear and opened up the spring for me to feel like life again mm-hmm. and i'd realized how much anxiety and um you know stress that i was holding when i was actually able to to let some of it go um and stop washing my costco goods oh my heart goes out to you that's just crazy that's the thing like i think the worst thing with this covid has been people's reactions you know just so twisted up and angry and twisted and fearful and uh yeah uh, so yeah, being being on the recipient, being the recipient of my second Pfizer vaccine in the, at the end of March, and then again in uh, November receiving my my booster shot. Your the, third, yeah, um, it helps me stay relaxed and and like I can confidently go out in the world without a lot of stress. Nice. So has it helped with? Um 
in the, your circle too, like the people you're closely interact with has their, you know who they are. Like some of them know because they think it's the devil. They think the vaccine is the devil. Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> so that's been more difficulty, right? Than less. Right. That's what I mean. Like there's, um, it's the, that's as twisted as, you know, this is, yeah. And, and having gone through, I don't want to say a hundred, but I bet it is close to a hundred uh, exchanges on social media and in various ways with people that are about this subject. And what that's done for me in terms of my ability to be present for what people, what I disagree with people on without making them wrong. Because I, I, I viewed a bunch of people who make each other wrong and, and you know, a, a big part of 2021 was the social media um, condemnation and shaming and fear mongering that was done on both sides of this issue by people. And that, that to me is more interesting than which side you sort of fall on. But like the people were like, don't you get this? It's a plot to control us all. And, uh, and then the other people are, if you don't get vaccinated, you don't give a shit about anybody, but yourself. Like, like being able to break down my own duality around that issue and no longer occupy a space that has me othering anybody for their choice was a journey. It took me a long time. Hmm. Like I'm just getting to the place where the research I've done, particularly that Joe Rogan podcast that we talked about the other day, which fucked with me on a huge level because <laughs> it confirmed a bunch of the things that anti-vaxxers have been saying about the way this disease has been propagated, which is very uncomfortable because I've been on the pro-vaccine science side of this for a long, long time. And to find out the factual data from a reputable source that there's some real shenanigans that have been going on around preventing treatment and keeping things secret from people. Right, right. It really is hard to hold the cognitive dissonance that goes with that. And so that's a highlight because as a human being, I've gotten a character upgrade as a result of being able to have these conversations with people. Right. So for me in 2020, you know, anti-racism work was, was helping me have the tough conversations. And now 2021, not anti-ing my friends who happen to be um, not willing to take a vaccine, um, you know, and then also recognizing the persecutorial tendencies of people on both sides of the yeah. issue. Yeah. And here's the thing with that doctor interview is all the doctors and learned people I've heard talking about elements regarding the vaccine. They all say this is a pandemic. We do have a pandemic. And here's some information about it. And what I thought was interesting in that interview is when he and Joe we're talking about how Trump, when he came out about the, you know, I don't, the hydri, I always get the name whacked up. Mark Hydrochloroquine. Yeah. And that he had good information, but people's biases against him, just anything he'd say, there was so much anger against him. Everyone would just be like, ah, fuck you. Ah, ah. Oh, you're telling us about bleach in our veins. Ah. You know, he just wasn't articulate in saying what, the information was, but he had information that could have helped. So for so, anyone who wants to learn about this, Joe Rogan's um, interview with Dr. Peter McCullough is what yeah. we're referring to. And it is a game changer for people who think they know the science. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's uncomfortable. Right. But if well, what you really want is to be scientific, you have to be willing to look at all the data and, um, what will ha- what hap- what happens is you you will soften your antagonism towards people who don't want to get the vaccine because you'll have access to actual science that talks about it. But here's the thing: he's not telling people just ignore it, don't do anything. No, he's just talking about how there's all this stuff that we don't have access to as a result of a conscious deception, right? 
and a failure on the parts of certain government agencies to create the kinds of investigations that would have been, you know, like when we talk about prophylactic treatment, preventative treatment or early treatment. And now we've got studies. And it's funny because today, as of today, there are two treatment pills that have been approved by the FDA. So here we are. Well, also, it didn't seem like for the most part, it didn't seem like conscious um, manipulation. It seemed like it was more irresponsibility and people just not at the beginning engaged in a responsible manner with um, sharing information and research. Well, we could go down this rabbit hole. What I'll say is as someone who was pro-vaccine and not an anti-oxychloroquine or whatever it was, chloroquine. Right. um, And then doubter about ivermectin. It took a long time for me to navigate what was really the the real, real about these treatments um, and get past my um, cognitive dissonance about the polarity of the arguments. And so, you know, that's why I'm saying that this is an important piece to me is because what's available when we get past our biases and our, our restricted, our unwillingness to meet people where they're at because of their ideological differences with us, you know, especially when it's something that seems life threatening, like COVID. All right. Here's because this is interesting because with the hermetic, um, you know, I, I went through. You mean the hermetic? Hermetic of hermetism, hermetics by Franz Barber. Yeah, the hermetic, hermetic, hermetic man, hermaphroditic, hermetic. Anyway, um, one of the things that he wrote about, yeah, is uh, you better have that, Andy, because these questions are coming at you. So, but he was talking about we still have two more things each to do before we do that. So, about wisdom and knowledge and the in essence, waste of time, like pearls before swine. He quoted that quote from Jesus in the Bible of, you know, knowledge like pearls before swine. And he's so, because when you talked about, you just, you weren't. Deep breath, everyone. Yeah. Something just shook downstairs. That's Donald. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's an earthquake. But so, like, talk about bias. There's thing. There's times like for the most part, I attempt with everyone. Like, if I'm getting wound up, I'm like, okay, what's going on in me that needs to be healed because I'm triggered. But there's things that I see someone do where I'm like, you are making your life harder. And what I've noticed, so here's a good example, because we spoke about my mom a few episodes ago. And one of the things is when information and conversation would be that's really helpful for her, she would take it as an attack and be defensive. Right. So, yes, best to not have our biases and be open to information. But I guess there's also wisdom in recognizing a conversation that isn't productive and just walking away from that person. As Marcus just walked away from me, there he goes out the door. And Moped Outlaws is now a solo podcast. No, it's not. I'm not going <laughs> I just want my hand. I want to be the one on the handlebars this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might think you might think you want that, but it's actually a lot more nerve wracking to be the one that has to like drive. I don't know. It's pretty casual. Just kind of ride on the back and throw shit off the back. Mushrooms falling out of your pocket. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh yeah. The All right. Talking hit the fan. All right. So are you complete with what you think are your highlights, your things about this year? Or do you have yeah, family? friends okay. so i have two more okay um and and they're not in any graduated order right um 
so, some some of the highlights that I had this year were low jobs, and I really appreciate them. Like <laughs> they're definite highlights. And then number two is watching, spending the the money for Nugs TV to watch Dead and Company play. Like I watched like six of their shows this year. And uh, there was some real elevated sensations in my body watching those shows and feeling emotional about songs. It was really great. All right. <laughs> uh, is your partner going to listen to this? She's going to go, blow jobs, plural. I know one. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Oh, now we've crossed the line of, yep, now Mark has to be silent because. <laughs> All right, those are two good things. Don't, don't assume you know everything, Greg. No, that's for sure. That is for sure. I read a really interesting article about the delineation between blowjobs and the kind of patriarchal version of it. It's like a job. It's a thing you exchange something for, right? That's great. <laughs> Fucking someone's ruining blowjobs now. No, 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 no. Wait. What they said was that when an, a woman is really inspired and it's not her job, it's something else altogether and it's way better. And it's a kind of, of um, cock worship. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. Like, I don't actually want to have it be a job. I want you to worship my cock is what you just said. Something you adore, something that you give freely and with pleasure for yourself. I'm so glad I brought this up. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, in that worship process, is swallowing an important part of it? What does important mean in that sentence? Like if. it's spit if she spits out your load is that kind of like oh wow or do you not care so as much as i think it's reasonable to have a conversation like this among men i it just feels like a, the point in the podcast i don't feel like we really want to go here okay. <laughs> i'm speaking I, generally not in anyone particular just i agree i understand why and i just don't think it's actually i think this at this point people are turning off their their radios like i don't think we need to go there Well, if they turned off the radios, it's too late. Maybe they heard me and they didn't. I don't know. It's just, to me, it seems, um, it's not anything I want to talk about. Okay. That part of it just doesn't make, like, I was vulnerable for me to share what I shared. And I think the part you're going to, like, we should be able to talk about it as friends and men. I'm cool with that, but not, I don't think moped outlaws. Right. I don't think it serves us. Okay. <clears throat> So we're on to the quiz then. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about this. I'm um, part of this thing called the um, initiates path and we've been studying various things all year. And, you know, part of the year end um, third quarter in a year long process thing is we've been immersed in chapter one of a book called the initiation into hermetics, which is by Franz Barden. And, um, I've been studying for an exam for that, that keeps getting pushed back by the teacher and um, several students had their written their oral exam this week. And then mine is coming up. Uh, we weren't part- talking about blowjobs anymore. We're not. You said that a bunch of students oral had oral yeah. exams. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds like the same thing to me. Okay. I get that. Mark's just going to just, I like it. <laughs> I get that that's where like the Buddhist monk, he's just going to walk through the fire. Okay, Greg, you just do your silly thing. <laughs> anyway, he's going to quiz me on chapter one. And, um, you know, we're going to basically get a pre sense of how good I know this material based on him picking the hardest things he can think about to quiz me with, or hopefully he's been a little bit easier on me. So here we go. All right, you ready? No. So I may pronounce this incorrectly. Okay. But what I want to know is 
like what the English translation of this word is. So what is the principle of tejas? Oh, te- tejas is fire. All right. The element of fire. Yep, yep. Okay, there's good. that's good. That's correct. Ding. We need a bell. We've got to talk to our producer, man. We need more sound effects. Well, I have some information for you. I got a friend who's doing his own. He runs like a whole podcast assortment of podcasts, and he has some equipment that we can get that's not oh, right And if we both get them, there's, there's eight touchpads that we can program with the intro music and some of the sound effects that we want, sample pads. All right. All right. <clears throat> Which element is the cause or origin of all other elements? The Akasha. Ether. Yep. Yep. And what is it? Akasha or ether. Ether, right. Ethereal. The highest, the mightiest, the most unimaginable, the primordial existence, the original cause. It's spaceless and timeless. It's uncreated. God, the fifth energy. All right. Which element is created by the interaction of three other elements? And what are those three other elements? Fire, water, and air combine with themselves to, and then that creates the fourth element, which isn't necessarily a distinct element. It is the earth element, also known as Prithivi. And when earth element comes into being, it is then galvanizes time and space into becoming. So once the earth element is present, time and space come with it. All right. <clears throat> and so that is three for three so far. Two more to go. Okay. Okay. Now I tried to, like, I thought those three would be pretty straightforward. Like that was pretty much the essence. Now it of gets that. harder. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> What practice is recommended by Franz Barton when first waking up in the morning? Yes. Yeah, I should know this, but I don't. What is it? Brush your body with a soft brush until your skin turns faintly reddish. Oh, that's chapter two. No, it isn't. It's chapter one. Yeah. Up to, you said up to page 62. No, up to page 60, I think. But that's valid. I should know it. Yeah. Page 62. All right. Yeah. I need to go back and figure that out. I need to. That's when he's talking about all the body and the different parts of the body. It's right towards the end. Got it. Thank you. Welcome. Now I know uh, there's a weakness in the armor. Yeah. Chink in the armor. That's not politically correct. You can't say chink anymore. A defect. <laughs> All right, ready? I don't know. After that one. Yeah, go ahead. See, I told you they were going to get harder. Okay, now put the book down. Quit flipping around. <laughs> what happens to water's properties of magnetism when temperature is increased? Uh, I don't know. The properties of magnetism diminish. And for extra credit, if you had known at what degrees Fahrenheit is the property neutralized, but I guess that's what is it? Ninety-seven to ninety-nine degrees Fahrenheit. So the the magnetism of water changes as its temperature goes up a certain point. Yeah, it's diminished. It, it's it it loses its it becomes non magnetic at the temperature of ninety seven degrees Fahrenheit. What's its const, most constant value? Is that it? Before is it above freezing? Like when is it most? Oh, magnetic? yeah. So the colder, yes. So the colder the water, the more magnet, the more the property magnetic. of magnetism is. So ice is even more magnetic than water. Well, he, I think. And where is this in the book? It's again towards the end. Towards the end of that first chapter. Yeah. Which is, and it's, he's talking about water? 
Yeah, because he's talking about the things. I think there's like there's this one part with all these things with the body. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, yeah, the ask the etheric. Wow, I really have to go back. These are great questions. Thank you. So, the occult anatomy of the body, or no? Do you remember? Um, no, and I'm looking it up now. But it was something about water, and there's the, the how water you can use water to attract things to you, and um, and what I thought was surprising is you know because he was saying like soaking in cold water is more powerful than well that's borne out by you know the Wim Hof stuff right we become more right. magnetic right yeah that makes sense. So, yeah, so now I'm not finding. So those of you who want to follow along at home, we were able to find a copy of this book at archive.org. Yeah, and you can check it out, which is kind of cool. Yeah. All right, I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. Oh, I know how to do this. Oh, forget that. So then he goes into like the head, the hands, the abdomen. Um, and then the soul and the astral body, blah, 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 spirit, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to find it. This is great. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> watch me flip through so again there was the part where he's talking about truth that I thought was interesting I think one of the most important things that's a takeaway from this moment is that when you don't know something it's okay to just say you don't know it's true. You know, it's much better. We bullshit people a lot in this life and um, integrity matters. And one of the reasons that I've taken on the challenge of trying to learn this first chapter in this book so thoroughly is that it's going to really impact me later if I don't master this stuff. Look at page 60, the magic of water. <clears throat> So in my book, the, on page 60, it's called asceticism. Hmm. Do you have a... So it may be that the, the version of the book you have has different, right? Because you caught me out on some stuff. So... Yeah, it could be, because actually now I'm looking, and it went part two, practice. Right. See, part two is the thing we're not supposed to be in yet. But I thought that that was, because actually page 62 on this ends with um, like a summation of everything up to that point. So I thought, oh, that makes sense. That. So can you share screen share? Let me yeah. make sure you can screen share real quick. This is exciting. Oh, you disabled it. Exciting for those listening. (laughs) This is our episode. (laughs) No, I think this is fun. We're discussing some important stuff. And so Greg's going to screen share so that I can read what he's reading. Because the book I have is paper. And the one I gave him is digital. And it's actually, I think, 80 years old. The one you're reading. So. See the magic of water. Yeah, I don't even have that chapter. So go in what I've read. So go back. Yeah. See mad magical, physical training, magical step one, see practice, right? So the stuff that I've covered is precedes that section of the book. So we're not actually supposed to go to those things. This is where you ended. Yeah. So I wonder if page 48, huh? Yeah. That's trippy. So you, the book you're reading is a different edition. Um, I wonder if there's like introduction that you have that I don't have in this version. See, yeah, there diet. Keep going. 
the light, man. Oh, wow. The great secret of the tetragram. Go forward. Like, that's the very first. Wow. So the book you're reading is vastly different than the book I'm reading. And this is page 17. Right. So if see here, folks, this is my, like, here's that image, Greg, back right. up on the page. Right. So that image on here is here. Right. And then turn to your page and then look at the difference. Look at mine on the screen. Yours is just an index shot. Yeah, it's just a header. And then the very first thing says the elements. Oh, that's weird. Well, and it's, it's the same. It says about the elements there, right? But, yeah. About so the I'm going to... Everything that has been created came into being through the effects of the elements. Is that what it says there? Your first sentence. No. Everything which has been created, the macrocosm as well as the microcosm, consequently the big and the small world have been achieved by the effect of the elements. So mine says everything that's been created came into being through the effects of the elements. This applies to the macrocosm as well as the microcosm. So I'm reading a translation. Yeah, we both are, obviously, because this guy was from Czechoslovakia. Yeah. So well, that's interesting. So yeah. the, the um Well there there is like if you go on um and try to buy this book, there's one version of it that's like hundreds of dollars because it's super rare. And I'll bet that the translation that we're reading right now online is hundred dollar one, yeah, or the cheap one? No, because what does it scroll down? What does it say the date is? The publication date seventy one. Okay, so no edition nineteen. Oh, yeah, sixty two is the original. Sixty two, Austria. That's where he's from. So, yeah. So, but you know, oh look, first edition nineteen fifty six. Right. So that's the one you're reading. No. Right. Mine says first edition, too. So, again, this is important because subtle differences in the copies that you get change the meaning. So you've got Audie V is the guy who writes the introduction to yours, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think I have that one. What's the ISBN number of yours? Oh, it's long. 978-1885928-12-2. Uh, totally different. Mine's 3-921338-01-8. And it looks like it was 1971. That's when yours was printed. Right. And let me look at mine real quick. So, yeah, this one's first printing was 2001. So it's 30 oh, wow. years later. Wow. Hey, did um, you actually scan books when you were working for them? Um, I When I worked for the archive, it's interesting. You were using the archive and I happened to be wearing the shirt. Um, I know. I thought of I did enough of the scanning training to be able to scan a book so that I understood the process. See, there's the copy I have. I don't see one that's hundreds of dollars. Well, you're looking at Amazon. Oh, so you think if I just look elsewhere? Yeah. Like what, eBay? Um, there's different versions of it, right? The harder to find. We are going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> awesome. So, um, no, when I worked at the Archive C... That's the Corpus Hermeticum. That's another one. So there's so many different versions. There it is. See it? Fifth edition. Down oh, that's one down here. Holy Christ. 250 bucks. Fifth that's edition, crazy. 1987 hardback. So, and then scroll down even further. That's that, the, one? that one's first edition, 1962, and it's almost $1,000. God. 
So there's something about the versions of these books that is different. So, yeah. Um, What could be a value to um, our listeners about this? Well, you know, knowledge is handed down different ways, different generations. So the deeper you go, the more you'll find like, we learned a lot today. Like the, the things I didn't know resulted in the, from the fact that the way the book I have now is configured is different. And so someone, not Franz Barton, someone at his publishing company decided to change how they presented the translation. And I, you know, like my dad's deeply into this stuff and I'm curious about which version of the book he has. Mm. Cause he's had his since the seventies. Oh, that's interesting. He might have a thousand dollar book on his hands. Well, and you know, the fifth piece of, you know, one of the other pieces of my year and, and what I would call the heralds of achievement, things that I'm really excited about and really mean something to me was my dad's 81. His birthday was yesterday. And we, I, you know, I've been working on a film about him and we decided that I was going to purchase the rights to all of his writing, his creative work and the contents of his library. Wow. So I own all of the copyrights and all of the intellectual property for his original writings. And I own all of the materials that are in his library in his office in, in um, the Boston area. And so, you know, this book is part of my legacy. You know, when he dies and he doesn't need his library anymore, I'm going to have access to some differing copies, some different perspectives and including the amazing work that he's done as um, a magician. Um, And for those of you who are curious, Joel went, Joel a went, if you go to YouTube, he literally has hundreds of videos about different esoteric subjects, including the true practice of magic. And that's kind of this book in the initiation into hermetics is the preparation for doing things that people would call magic. And in that sense, not like Harry Potter, but another form of it. And he's not a fan of uh, Rudolf Steiner. Who, who isn't your, your father? No, he's a huge fan of his. Well, here he's got overcoming Rudolf Steiner part one. Right. Well, he's, he's read everything. He studied him extensively for 30 years. He was part of Waldorf education. He's part of the Anthroposophical society. And he's come to realize that just like any other form of thinking, you can fall into the grip of one individual's, um, misunderstandings or their perspective. And so you don't, when you become, when someone becomes a cult leader figure and you only go through the lens of their thinking, you're going into a dead investigation or at least a inert investigation. And the ultimate philosophy I think is that, that gnosis or the process of spiritual awakening is a living process. And there's thousand roads to Nirvana as they say. Right. So um, some say that some say there's only our way. Yeah. Beware those who would claim purchase over the ultimate wisdom. Yeah. They probably have an agenda. <laughs> well, See, that's so interesting. Cause with Jesus, like there is that famous quote, like I am the way. And, um, well, it's sort of like that old thing. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? So who heard Jesus say this? And why did they wait 300 years to write it down? <laughs> well, I think there's elements of any spiritual writing where, yeah, our ignorance doesn't convey the message clearly. Right. And what can we do with like that statement? Like um, we could decide that Jesus is a complete fallacy or we can decide that there's something that was there that people did their best to try to communicate to the future. 
and that inherent in every human endeavor is the human condition. And so it might be fraught with things that um, at the time seemed like reasonable white lies or reasonable augmentation of the principle in order to achieve some kind of awakening for the benefactors of that, you know, that writing. One of the things that I've come to in my own um, belief ideas about this concept of heaven and hell is that the reason the Christian idiom presents it as if we're going to die and go to heaven or die and go to hell is because it was a much simpler fable to tell that if you're the way you create cause in the world, the way you show up in the world matters because ultimately that creates a situation. It's hard to explain karma reincarnation and how all of that affects us. And it then ultimately affects the garden where we live. And so from my, where I'm at in the, my life right now, I have this picture, which is that it, when you think of eternal life in the form of reincarnation, of coming back in another body with the same spiritual awareness, the same identity awareness, if you view that as a long-term prospect and the place that you're coming back to is being mistreated and being, it becomes more and more a practice of avarice and greed and shempa and destruction, then it becomes more and more inhospitable and more and more a hellish place. So we can see now from the vantage point that we are at that global warming or nuclear annihilation could create a physical sphere that if our souls incarnate into, we would experience as hellish, right? Burning, suffering, right? In mm. tomb and in eternal suffering and burningness. So it's a, my view, it's a fable that brings in these ideas of what the Akashic principle is and the karma principle is into a fable that someone who doesn't have the ability to study esoteric wisdom for years and years and years to arrive at a sense of incarnation and all those things to give them a concept of, well, how you treat people makes an impact and how we treat our surrounding makes an impact. And it was serviceable at a time, but it became co-opted and corrupted in a control mechanism to get people to behave according to what we want, what the, the higher ups wanted them to do. So no matter how benevolent that those higher ups are, anytime that you're imposing your will on someone else, there's a breakdown in the fundamental principle of self-acquired wisdom, self-acquired cosmic wisdom. So the age old argument is, well, maybe you know, leading the flock and teaching them without them understanding everything is actually more helpful than trying to get them to understand something complicated. Eventually that peters out because it's basically saying people are stupid and we can't trust them to, to arrive at stuff. Right. And you look at the U S constitution, it's the same thing. Like there's this tiered layers of power because if we just let democratic rule run the way we can't trust that something bad will happen <laughs> so it's sort of weird it's like this ultimate hedging of our bets it's like even the catholic church says we can't trust god to to manage humanity properly right they right. have to have rules yeah and um what ends up happening is you get people like our friend mike and my ex-wife who become obsessively opposed to any kind of spiritual awareness because it's they see it as such a mindfuck such a terrible lie and manipulative thing that causes war and suffering i think that's one of the things you and i both love about buddhism is it attempts to not be a religion and it attempts to be something people can use as a tool in their daily life to try to minimize the emotional suffering that they experience and the suffering around them um and even that's flawed because there's all these hierarchies in Buddhism where if you practice enough or you practice right or you, right, you're not meditating right. Like how many of you have tried to go to yoga and felt like bad about your poses, right? And then not gone back. <laughs> right? Well, like, that's the thing though. That's the inner world. You know, that's really what I think it's all about, our inner world. and you know, the story of someone being thrown into an oven and being totally relaxed and fine is about our inner world, how we can be in 
total hellacious conditions, but to us, they're not hellacious because we're in a state of peace. So, right. Each of us in this life has this opportunity to refine ourselves. And so the wisdom of the ages, like in this book, the initiation into hermetics or the Torah or the Bhagavad Gita, whatever gateway you choose to walk through, hopefully the nourishment that's encased in that, that that the ancestors have tried to preserve for us is the opportunity to become a better human being. And by better, that's like a judgment, right? So better can be interpreted, but in my interpretation, it's heart centered. It's compassionate, right? It's kind, it's honest, right? It's knowing the difference between enough and too much in terms of materialism, right? And so to me, I'm just, it's like, okay, I have this ability to continue the quest, to continue to discover my own true potential inwardly. And then as a result of that, make that available to anyone who I come in contact with in the form of human dignity, compassion, and love. Recording stopped.